in line at the grocery store when, uh-oh, someone sneezes on you. The cold virus is sucked inside your lungs and lands on a cell on your airway lining. Every living thing on Earth is made of cells, from the smallest one-celled bacteria to the giant blue whale to you. Each cell in your body is surrounded by a cell membrane, a thick, flexible layer made of fats and proteins that surrounds and protects the inner components. It's semi-permeable, meaning that it lets some things pass in and out, but blocks others. The cell membrane is covered with tiny projections. They all have functions, like helping cells adhere to their neighbors or binding to nutrients the cell will need. Animal and plant cells have cell membranes, only plant cells have a cell wall, which is made of rigid cellulose that gives the plant structure. The virus that was sneezed into your lungs is sneaky. Pretending to be a friend, it attaches to a projection on the cell membrane, and the cell brings it through the cell membrane and inside. When the virus gets through, the cell recognizes its mistake. An enemy is inside. Special enzymes arrive at the scene and chop the virus to pieces. They then send one of the pieces back through the cell membrane, where the cell displays it to warn neighboring cells about the invader. A nearby cell sees the warning and immediately goes into action. It needs to make antibodies, proteins that will attack and kill the invading virus. This process starts in the nucleus. The nucleus contains our DNA, the blueprint that tells our cells how to make everything our bodies need to function. A certain section of our DNA contains instructions that tell our cells how to make antibodies. Enzymes in the nucleus find the right section of DNA, then create a copy of these instructions called messenger RNA. The messenger RNA leaves the nucleus to carry out its orders. The messenger RNA travels to a ribosome. There can be as many as 10 million ribosomes in a human cell, all studded along a ribbon-like structure called the endoplasmic reticulum. This ribosome reads the instructions from the nucleus. It takes amino acids and links them together one by one, creating an antibody protein that will go fight the virus. But before it can do that, the antibody needs to leave the cell. The antibody heads to the Golgi apparatus. Here, it's packed up for delivery outside the cell. Enclosed in a bubble made of the same material as the cell membrane, the Golgi apparatus also gives the antibody directions, telling it how to get to the edge of the cell. When it gets there, the bubble surrounding the antibody fuses to the cell membrane. The cell ejects the antibody, and it heads out to track down the virus. The leftover bubble will be broken down by the cell's lysosomes, and its pieces recycled over and over again. Where did the cell get the energy to do all this? That's the role of the mitochondria. To make energy, the mitochondria takes oxygen, this is the only reason we breathe it, and adds electrons from the food we eat to make water molecules. That process also creates a high-energy molecule called ATP, which the cell uses to power all of its parts. Plant cells make energy a different way. They have chloroplasts that combine carbon dioxide and water with light energy from the sun to create oxygen and sugar, a form of chemical energy. All the parts of a cell have to work together to keep things running smoothly. And all the cells of your body have to work together to keep you running smoothly. That's a whole lot of cells. Scientists think there are about 37 trillion of them. of bacteria, viruses, and fungi are trying to make you their home. So our
bodies have developed a super complex little army with guards, soldiers, intelligence, weapons factories, and communicators to protect you from, uh, well, dying. For this video, let's assume the immune system has 12 different jobs. For example, kill enemies, communicate, etc. And it has 21 different cells and two protein forces. These cells have up to four different jobs. Let's assign them. Here are the interactions. Now, let's make this understandable. First of all, let's add colors to the jobs. Now, let's illustrate the cells. The central color represents the main job of the cell, while the surrounding ones represent secondary duties. Now, the immune system looks like this. Now, the interactions. Isn't this complexity just awesome? For this video, we will only talk about these cells and ignore the rest. So, what happens in the case of an infection? It's a beautiful day, when suddenly, a wild, rusty nail appears, and you cut yourself. The first barrier of the immune system is breached, your skin. Nearby bacteria seize on the opportunity and enter your wound. They start using up the body's resources and double their numbers about every 20 minutes. At first, they fly under the radar, but when a certain bacteria population is reached, they change their behavior and start to damage the body by changing the environment around them. The immune system has to stop them as fast as possible. First of all, your guard cells, known as macrophages, intervene. They are huge cells that guard every border region of the body. Most of the time, they alone can suffocate an attack because they can devour up to 100 intruders each. They swallow the intruder whole and trap it inside a membrane. Then the enemy gets broken down by enzymes and is killed. On top of that, they cause inflammation by ordering the blood vessels to release water into the battlefield so fighting becomes easier. You notice this as a very mild swelling. When the macrophages fight for too long, they call in heavy backup by releasing messenger proteins that communicate location and urgency. Neutrophiles leave their patrol routes in the blood and move to the battlefield. The neutrophiles fight so furiously that they kill healthy cells in the process. On top of that, they generate barriers that trap and kill the bacteria. They are indeed so deadly that they evolved to commit suicide after five days to prevent them from causing too much damage. If this is not enough to stop the invasion, the brain of the immune system kicks in. The dendritic cell gets active. It reacts to the signals of the soldiers and starts collecting samples from the enemies. They rip them into pieces and present the parts on their outer layer. Now, the dendritic cell makes a crucial decision. Should they call for antivirus forces that eradicate infected body cells or an army of bacteria killers? In this case, antibacteria forces are necessary. It then travels to the closest lymph node in about a day. Here, billions of helper and killer T cells are waiting to be activated. When T cells are born, they go through a difficult and complicated training process, and only a quarter survives. The surviving cells are equipped with a specific setup, and the dendritic cell is on its way looking for a helper T cell with a setup that's just right. It's looking for a helper T cell that can bind to the parts of the intruders which the dendritic cell has presented on its membrane. When it finally finds one, a chain reaction takes place. The helper T cell is activated. It quickly duplicates thousands of times. Some become memory T cells that stay in the lymph node and will make you practically immune against this enemy. Some travel to the field of battle to help out. And the third group goes on to travel to the center of the lymph node to activate a very powerful weapons factory. Like the T cells, they're born with a specific setup. And when a B cell and a T cell with the same setup meet, hell breaks loose. 
the B cell duplicates rapidly and starts producing millions of little weapons. They work so hard that they would literally die from exhaustion very fast. Here, helper T cells play another important role. They stimulate the hard-working factories and tell them, don't die yet, we still need you, keep going. This also ensures that the factories die if the infection is over, so the body doesn't waste energy or hurt itself. But what is produced by the B cells? You've heard of them, of course, antibodies. Little proteins that are engineered to bind to the surface of the specific intruder. There are even different kinds of antibodies that have slightly different jobs. The helper T cells tell the plasma cells which type is needed the most in this particular invasion. Millions of them flood the blood and saturate the body. Meanwhile, at the site of infection, the situation is getting dire. The intruders have multiplied in number and start hurting the body. Guard and attack cells fight hard, but also die in the process. Helper T cells support them by ordering them to be more aggressive and to stay alive longer. But without help, they can't overwhelm the bacteria. But now the second line of defense arrives. Billions of antibodies flood the battlefield and disable lots of the intruders, rendering them helpless or killing them in the process. They also stun the bacteria and make them an easy target. Their back is built to connect to killer cells so they can connect and kill the enemy more easily. Macrophages are especially good at nobing up the bacteria which antibodies have attached to. Now the balance shifts. In a team effort, the infection is wiped out. At this point, millions of body cells have already died. No big deal, the losses are quickly replenished. Most immune cells are now useless, and without the constant signals, they commit suicide, so as not to waste any resources. But some stay behind, the memory cells. If this enemy is encountered ever again in the future, they will be ready for it, and probably kill it before you even notice. This was a very, very simplified explanation of parts of the immune system at work. Can you imagine how complex this system is? Even at this level, when we ignore so many players and all the chemistry. Life is awfully complicated, but if we take the time to understand it, we always encounter endless wonders and great beauty. to fight off other living beings that want to feast on them. So as multicellular life evolved over billions of years, it came up with ways to defend itself. Today, humans have a sophisticated defense network, like physical barriers, defense cells, and weapons factories. But one of the most important defenses of our body is largely unknown, the complement system. It evolved over 700 million years ago and is an army of over 30 different proteins that work together in a complex and elegant dance to stop intruders. All in all, about 15 quintillion of them are saturating every fluid in your body right now. Guided by nothing but chemistry, these proteins are one of the most effective weapons we have against invaders. Many other parts of the immune system are just tools to activate the complement system. But it's also really dangerous. Imagine having trillions of little bombs inside your blood that could go off at any moment. So our cells use numerous mechanisms to prevent complement from accidentally attacking them. Okay, what exactly does it do, and what makes it so dangerous?
nutshell, the complement system does three things. It cripples enemies, it activates the immune system, and it rips holes in things until they die. But how? After all, these are mindless proteins randomly drifting around without will or direction. Well, this is actually part of the strategy. Complement proteins float around in a sort of passive mode. They do nothing until they get activated and change their shape. In the world of proteins, your shape determines what you can and cannot do. Because shape determines what you can interact with and in what way. For example, in your passive shape, you might do nothing. In your active shape, however, you might, for example, change the shape of other proteins, activating them so they can activate others. Mechanisms like this one can start cascades that spread very quickly. Imagine the complement proteins as being like millions of matches very close together. Once one catches fire, it ignites the ones around it. They ignite more, and suddenly you have a big fire. To show the actual mechanisms of the complement system is a tad complicated and overwhelming, so we'll simplify here. Now, let's imagine you cut yourself and a bunch of bacteria enter the wound and make it into the surrounding tissue. Our complement attack begins with C3. C3 is the first match, the initial spark that will start our fire. And to do that, C3 needs to switch from passive to active. How this happens is complex, but let's just say it can happen randomly through other complement proteins that bind to enemies or through antibodies. All you really need to know is that C3 breaks into two smaller proteins, C3A and C3B, that are now activated. One of these parts, the C3B protein, is like a seeker missile specialized in bacteria, fungi, and viruses. It has a fraction of a second to find a victim, or it will be neutralized by water molecules. If C3B does find a target, it anchors itself very tightly to its surface and doesn't let go. By doing so, the protein changes its shape again, in its new shape, it's now able to grab other proteins and start a small cascade, changing its shape multiple times, adding other complement proteins to itself. Finally, it transforms itself into a recruiting platform known as C3 Convertis. This platform is an expert at activating more C3 proteins that start the whole cycle anew. An amplification loop begins. Soon, thousands of proteins cover the bacteria. For the bacteria, this is very bad. It can cripple the bacteria and make them helpless or slow them down. Imagine being covered by thousands of flies. But there's more. Do you remember the other part of C3? The C3A protein. C3A is like a distress beacon. Thousands of them flood away from the site of battle, screaming for attention. Passive immune cells notice the C3A proteins and awaken from their slumber to follow the protein tracks to the site of infection. The more alarm proteins they encounter, the more aggressive they get. This way, complement guides reinforcements exactly to the place where they're needed the most. So far, the complement has slowed down the invaders and called for help. Now, it's beginning to actively help to kill the enemy. The first immune cells to arrive at the battlefield are phagocytes, which means cells that swallow you whole, trap you in a tiny prison, and then kill you with acid. But to swallow an enemy, they need to grab it first, which is not easy because bacteria prefer not to be grabbed and are sort of slippery. But now the complement that has anchored itself to the bacteria acts as a sort of glue that makes it easy for the immune cells to catch their victims. But it gets even better. Imagine being covered in flies again. 
Now, imagine them turning into wasps. Another cascade is about to begin. On the surface of the bacteria, the C3 recruitment platform changes its shape again and begins to recruit new proteins. Together, they begin the construction of a bigger structure, a membrane attack complex. Piece by piece, new proteins, shaped like long spears, anchor themselves deep into the bacteria's membranes, until they rip a hole into them that can't be closed again. Fluids rush into the bacteria, and their insides spill out. They bleed to death. The remaining bacteria are maimed and distracted by the complement, and quickly taken care of by the arriving immune cells. The invasion has been nipped in the bud before it had the opportunity to become dangerous. You probably didn't even notice it. But while bacteria are not happy about complement, the enemies it might be the most useful against are actually viruses. Viruses have one problem. They need to travel from cell to cell. Outside of cells, they're basically hoping to randomly bump against a cell to infect by pure chance. Here, they're completely defenseless. And here, complement is able to intercept and cripple them, so they become harmless and guide the immune system to devour them. Without complement, virus infections would be a lot more deadly. But wait, if we have such an effective weapon, why do we ever get sick? The problem is that in a war, both sides adapt. For example, when the vaccinia virus infects a cell, it forces it to produce a protein that shuts complement activation down. This way, the virus creates safe zones around the cells it infects. When it kills them and tries to infect more, it has a higher chance of being successful. Or some bacteria, for example, can grab certain molecules from the blood that keep the complement system calm and make themselves invisible. So the complement system, while being extremely important, is only one player in the complex and beautiful organization that is our immune system. A beautiful example of how many mindless things can do smart things together. This video was sponsored by you. Without your direct support, this channel would not exist. And it's hard to overstate how grateful we are for that. In 2019, an average Kurzgesagt video took at least 1,200 hours to produce. We need months to research and write our scripts, clear them with experts, illustrate and animate every scene from scratch, and to compose original music. This is only possible through a combination of sponsorships, your support on Patreon, and selling merch, like this poster and postcards we made about the compliment system. If you yourself want to support us, you can do so by watching, becoming a Patreon, and maybe getting a personal bird, or by getting one of our calendars or posters. The purpose of Kurzgesagt is to make the best videos we can, and to make science more approachable. Thank you so much for making this possible.
Dietrich Haddon and the L.A. Singers. He's a great God. How's everybody doing? It's 6.59, almost 7 p.m. Saturday, August 7th, 2021. In the new international version of the Bible, Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 12. Jeremiah's complaint. You are always righteous, O oh Lord. When I bring a case before you yet, I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them and they have taken root. They grow and bear fruit. You are always on their lips. But far from their hearts. Yet, you know me, O oh Lord. You see me and test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, He will not see what happens to us. God's answer. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan. Your brothers, 
your own family, even they have betrayed you. They have raised a loud cry against you. Do not trust them, though they speak well of you. I will forsake my house, abandon my inheritance. I will give the one I love into the hands of her enemies. My inheritance has become to me like a lion in the forest. She roars at me, therefore I hate her. Has not my inheritance become to me like a speckled bird of prey that other birds of prey surround and attack? Go and gather all the wild beasts. Bring them to devour Many shepherds will ruin my vineyard and trample down my field. They will turn my pleasant field into a desolate wasteland. It will be made a wasteland, parched and desolate before me. The whole land will be laid waste because there is no one who cares. Over all the barren heights in the desert, destroyers will swarm for the sword of the Lord will devour from one end of the land to the other no one will be safe They will sow wheat, but reap thorns. They will wear themselves out, but gain nothing. So, bear the shame of your harvests because of the Lord's fierce anger. This is what the Lord says. 
as for all my wicked neighbors who seized the inheritance, I gave my people Israel, I will uproot them from their lands and I will uproot the house of Judah from among them. But after I uproot them, I will again have compassion and will bring each, each of them back to his own inheritance in his own country. And if they learn well the ways of my people and swear by my name, saying, As surely as the Lord lives, even as they once taught my people to swear by Baal, then they will be established among my people. But if any nation doth not listen, I will completely uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. Had to look like them? What brings you to sound the black? 
In the book of Daniel, Prophet Daniel's prayer, in chapter 9, in the year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O oh Lord, the great and awesome God, 
on the net of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and the laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame, the, the men of Judah and the people of Jerusalem and all of Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. O oh Lord, we and our kings, our princes, and our fathers are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. The Lord, our God, is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away Using to obey you. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have Build the word spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing up on us great disaster. Under the heaven, under the whole 
Kevin, nothing has ever been done like what has been done. Jerusalem, just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day. We have sinned. We have done wrong. Keeping in keeping with all your righteous acts. Turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our fathers have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. Petitions of your servant 
for your sake, oh Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, oh God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, listen. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hear and act for your sake. Oh my God, do not delay because your cry, because your city and your people bear your name. Daniel 9 and 20. The 77s.
while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in the earlier vision, came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray and answer with giving, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know and understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After the sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler will come, will destroy the city and the sanctuary.
the end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on a wing of the temple, he he will set up. He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him.
Daniel 10, the prophet Daniel in the Bible, chapter 10, Daniel's vision of a man. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the banks of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words 
I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me twenty-one days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, bowed with my face for the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I am helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength 
Do not be afraid, old man highly esteemed. He said, Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the Prince of Persia. And when I go, the Prince of Greece will come. But first, I will tell you what is written in the Book of Truth. Daniel 11, the king of the south and the north, the kings of the south and the north. Now then, I tell you the truth, three kings will appear in Persia. And then a fourth who will be far richer than all the others. When he has gained power by his will, he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king will appear who will rule with great power and do as he pleases. After he has appeared, his empire will be broken up and parceled out toward the four winds heaven. It will not go to his descendants, nor will it have the power he exercised because his empire will be uprooted and given to others. The king of the south will become strong, but one of his commanders will become even stronger than he and will rule his own kingdom with great power. After some years, they will become allies. The daughter of the king of the south will go to the king of the north 
to make an alliance, but she will not retain her power and he and his power will not last. In those days she will be handed over together with her royal escort and her father and the one who supported her. One from her family line will arise to take her place. He will attack the forces of the king of the north and enter his fortress. He will fight against them and be victorious. He will also seize their gods, their metal images, and their valuable artisans of silver and gold and carry them off to Egypt. For some years he will leave the king of the north alone. Then the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will retreat to his own country. His sons will prepare for war and assemble a great army which will sweep on like an irresistible flood and carry the battle as far as his fortress. Then the king of the south will march out in a rage and fight against the king of the north who will raise a large army it will be defeated. When the army is carried off, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will slaughter men in a thousand. Yet he will not remain triumphant, for the king of the north will muster another army larger than the first. And after several years, he will advance with a huge army fully equipped. In those times, many will rise against the king of the south. Silent men among your own people will rebel in fulfillment of the vision, but without success. The king of the north will come and build up siege ramps and will capture a fortified city. The forces of the south will be powerless to resist. Even their best troops will not have the strength to stand. 
the invader will do as he pleases. No one will be able to stand against him. He will establish himself in the beautiful land and will have the power to destroy it. He will determine to come with the might of his entire kingdom and will make an alliance with the king of the south and he will give him a daughter in marriage in order to overthrow the kingdom. But his plans will not succeed or help him. Then he will turn his attention to the coastlands and will take many of them. But a commander will put an end to his insolence and will turn his insolence back upon him. After this, he will turn back towards the fortresses of his own country, but he will stumble and fall be seen no more. His successor will send out a tax collector to maintain the royal splendor. In a few years, however, he will be destroyed yet not in anger or in battle. He will be succeeded by a contemptible person who has not been given the honor of royalty. He will invade the kingdom when its people feel secure and he will seize it through intrigue. Then an overwhelming army will be swept away before him. Both it and a prince of the covenant will be destroyed. After coming to an agreement with him, he will act deceitfully and with only a few people, he will rise to power. When the richest provinces feel secure, he will invade them and will achieve what neither his father's nor his forefathers did. He will distribute, distribute plunder 
loot and wealth among his fellows. He will plot to overthrow a fortresses, but only for a time. With a large army, he will stir up his strength and courage against the king of the south. The king of the south will wage war with a large and very powerful army, but he will not be able to stand because of the plot devised against him. Those who eat from the king's provisions will try to destroy him. His army will be swept away and many will fall in battle. The two kings with their hearts bent on evil, will sit at the same table and lie to each other, but to no avail, because an end will still come at the appointed time. The king of the north will return to his own country with great wealth, but his heart will be set against the Holy Covenant. He will take action against it and then return to his own country at the appointed time. He will invade the south again, but this time the outcome will be different from what it was before. Ships of the western coastlands will oppose him, and he will lose heart. Then. He will turn back and vent his fury against the Holy Covenant. He will return and show favor to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. His armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation with 
flattery. He will corrupt those who have violated the covenant. But the people who know their God will, will firmly resist him. Those who are wise will instruct many, though for a time they will fall by the sword or be burned or captured or plundered. When they fall, they will receive a little help and many who are not sincere will join them. Some of the wise will stumble so that they may be refined, purified, and made spotless until the time of the end or it will still come at the appointed time. The king who exalts himself the king will do as he pleases, he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will say unheard of things against the god of gods. He will be successful until the time of wrath is completed. For what has been determined must take place. He will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the one desired by women, nor will he regard any god but will exalt himself above them all. Instead of them, he will honor a god of fortresses, a god unknown to his fathers. He will honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. 
he will attack the mightiest fortresses with the help of a foreign god and will greatly honor those who acknowledge him. He will make them rulers over many people and will distribute the land at a price. the time of the end, the king of the south will engage him in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. He will also invade the beautiful land. Many countries will fall, but Edom, Moab, and the leaders of Ammon will be delivered from his hand. He will extend his power over many countries. Egypt will not escape. He will gain control of the treasures of gold and silver and all the riches of Egypt. With the Lydians and Nubians in submission. But reports from the east and the north will alarm him, and he will set out in a great rage to destroy and annihilate many. He will pitch his royal tent between the seas at the beautiful holy mountain. Yet, he will come to his end, and no one will help him.
Daniel 12, the book of Prophet Daniel, chapter 12, the end time, the end time. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Then I, Daniel, looked and there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite side. One of them said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, how long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? A man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and I heard him swear by him who lives forever saying it will be for a time, times, and a half a time, when the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I 
did not understand. So I asked, My Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, Go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made spotless, and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished and the abomination that causes desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1,335 days. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance.